You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're going to finish up Titus today. We're in the book of Titus. We're at the, uh, at, we're being the third chapter. Um, if you're looking for Titus, just look for a whole bunch of T's all in a row, the Timothys and the Thessalonians and all that, and Titus will be tucked in about two-thirds away back in your New Testament. But we'll be finishing up uh, our study of Titus today. There's no saying that's this. You're known by the company you keep. Anybody ever heard that? You're known by the company you keep. I want to add a little bit to this, and young people especially listen to me, whether you're at home or whether you're sitting here in a sanctuary. But we're also influenced by the company we keep. We're known by the company we keep, but we're also influenced by the company we keep. I'm going to turn the verses around just a little bit this morning as we kind of walk through this third chapter. If you happen to have version app, you can follow us there because the verses and, and some of the highlights will be in U, version app. You just hit more at the bottom once you open it and then events on the left-hand side and that'll bring you to Freedom Fellowship NWA to find us. We're known by the company we keep. We're also influenced by the company we keep. I'm going to pick you up at the third chapter in verse 9. This is what it says. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person. When it talks about a divisive person in this situation, it's really it's kind of viewing into the church and the people that would work to divide it and, and spread false information, false teachers, and, and people that would pull you away from the primary mission. But, but I think you can actually use this same application, by the way, in your life, when you're out on the street. It says, warn a, a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Kind of a lot wrapped up in just a few verses, but I think it does tell us some stories about when you have divisive people in your life, you have divisive people in a church, what you don't do is you don't let it go. You, you ask them once, you ask them twice, and at that point you've done, you've carried out your responsibility. So we're going to move down and, and talk uh, and really kind of take the first eight verses. That's going to be the primary crux of what I want to talk about, but I want to just mention that piece to you uh, very quickly. Today we'll close out our study. I appreciate Mike and Barbara, and and I don't know if we took a little test, you'd realize, and I think I'm correct here, if you looked at the people that they represented, they actually were in two of those roles as a nurse and as a professor in years gone by, correct? So... Uh, the rest of them, I, was, I wasn't going to like leave you out to hang for like being the old lady or something, all right? I was going to make sure they knew which ones it was. But thank you. But it does remind us about Thanksgiving. And see, Thanksgiving this year is going to be really a different kind of Thanksgiving for many people. I know that if you've been listening to the news, a lot of the places, different states, different towns, they're, they're asking that you only have a certain number of people in your home for Thanksgiving. Other people are saying, and in other locations, they're saying, unless those people live with you full time, don't have anybody into your house to celebrate Thanksgiving with them. 
We'll have people that'll be quite different for them because they're in hospitals or they're in rehabs and they're very limited about who they can see. Sometimes the only person they can see is, is through a glass in a waiting area. And still there'll be some that it'll be different because frankly, they'll be isolated. They really just don't have anybody to spend that day with. But it'll be a, it'll be a different kind of day but there will be still thanks to be given. On Thanksgiving, there will still be thanks to be given. Our study today in, book, in this last part of Titus actually dovetails quite well with Thanksgiving. I'm always amazed, not really, because I've come to understand it, but I'm always amazed how our studies and what's going on in life just do dovetail as they go. We have much to be thankful for and so listen to a few reminders I'm going to give you from Scripture. These are in the version. if you happen to have that uh, app open. But in Psalms 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his holy name. What an acknowledgement of thanksgiving. And in, in Psalms 103, Bless, O Lord, O my soul, and all that in was, is within me. Bless his holy name. They're coming from 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Psalms 32, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Scripture gives us a lot of places to remind us that we're supposed to be thankful for life. Even with its challenges, we're still supposed to be thankful in life. The header in my Bible, and if you're if you're looking in Scripture, if yours a lot of times it'll have at the, at, at the start of different sections, it'll have a little header there, kind of a phrase. And mine's interesting because what it says at the start of chapter 3, it says, saved in order to do good. Saved in order to do good. It's an interesting concept, I think, because sometimes we, we do kind of get confused about, well, why am I saved? Well, it's telling us one of the reasons we're saved is we're saved to do good. Now, we had an algebra teacher in the little town I grew up in, and her name was Miss Thomas, and she was a colorful lady, older lady, and she taught algebra class. And what she did in algebra class is this was one of the things that was kind of funny because the kids, whether you were in her class or not, you still knew that Miss Thomas said this. But what she did, and you have to, you have to, and I won't do a great job, but you have to kind of use the, the motions with it, but what she would explain to you about algebra is you put your knowns on the one side and you put your unknowns on the other. And, you know, the, the reality, it didn't take us long before we started thinking about algebra. And Okay, so you got to put the things you know on one side and you got to put the things you don't know on the other side, and that's the equation that you use to work through to do that. Well, see, Paul is reminding Titus, who stayed behind him in Crete to minister, he said, there's some knowns uh, from Scripture he said, I'm going to write this letter to you, and I'm going to list some known things that we know about being a believer and what it looks like to be a believer. And then he's going to go on a little bit later in these verses we're going to talk about, it, and he's going to say, now, there's also a picture I can give you of people who are living in the world. And when we talk about as, as, a, as a Christian, it's kind of a Christianese word, but when we talk about living in the world, we're really talking about living a world a world that's absent of God, okay? 
So he's going to then describe a little to us about what it's like and what it looks like to be a non-Christian. And then he's going to circle back and talk a little bit about the behavior of a Christian person. So we're in chapter 3, we're in verse 1, and it starts here. It says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Again, how timely, right? You know, we're in the middle of election, election disputes. We're in the middle of social unrest. We're in the middle of a virus where you hear one thing one day and one thing the next day. And then you add all on top of that, we have all of the normal life challenges that occur all at the same time. But it's telling us in Scripture, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. That's our responsibility. And see, so then in our humanness, I kind of look at this stuff and I see what's going on out there and I think, you know, God, this surely surprises even you. I mean, who can dream up all this crazy stuff? But in reality, we ask ourselves, is God really surprised? No, we, we know in our heart, we know that he's not surprised by any of this. It goes on, then it says this in, in verse 1, to be obedient. So he's asking us, tell the people to be obedient, to be ready to do what is good. I like to parse the words a little bit with you because I think one of the things that's important there is just this little two-letter word, do. Because a lot of times, we kind of know what, what is good. We kind of can see it. We kind of want to think that that would be a good thing for me to do. But what he's saying is, your role as a believer is not to think about good things that could be done, but it's to what? It's to do them, right? So he said, be obedient. Be ready to do whatever is good. Do not do and slander no one. Ouch. To be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everybody. Well, that's quite a list, isn't it? Do you ever find yourself thinking, that's a lot for me to live up to. I mean, I'm out there every day, out there in a workplace or in the world or in the neighborhood. And those are hard things when I think about, about those very attributes that I'm supposed to live up to as a believer. For someone that's still living in the world, though, Paul ticks off some other things. He ticks off some warning signs, and he, and he even says that for some of us, for many of us, we actually lived that way before we started to live the way we're supposed to. And he goes on and he says this in verse 3, at one time we too, in other words, he's saying, you know, we can look out there if we want to, but the reality for many of us, we lived a life outside of the Lord before we decided to live for the Lord. He said, at one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by life's passions and pleasures. He said, we also, he said, we lived in malice and we lived in envy, being hated and hating one another. See, the description of those that live in the world, for many of us, it's, it's like we're surprised. You know, Scripture says, so if you're living in a world, a lot of those things we just talked about, that's going to be how things look to you. That's how they are. But then when we think about it, we think, so why am I always surprised when I see people who are living in the world 
and they have behavior that's not Christian behavior, but I act shocked while they're living in the world. We start to understand that. See, we've gone through some of the knowns of living life as a non-believer. We just talked about them, the envy, the slander, the hatred. So Paul, what he wants to do is he says, but Titus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to relay to the flock, the people in Crete, in this new church we planted, I want you to relay to those people what it is and that they can be exceedingly thankful about. Here's some things, Titus, I'm going to write down this letter, and I want you to tell the people of the church that here are some things that you can be exceedingly thankful for. And he goes on then in verse 4, he said, But when the kindness of the love of God our Savior appeared. Now, you know, we kind of idle through talks like this because we see scripture, some of them we've read before. But I think to myself, things I can be thankful for. He said, the kindness and the love of God when our Savior appeared. I don't know about you, and, and I probably seem to be underwhelmed by it when I should be overwhelmed by it, but the reality is I'm very thankful that that Savior appeared. I'm thankful, it goes on, he said, he saved us, not because of righteousness that we have done, not the righteous things we have done, but he saved us because of his mercy. You know, we talked about it the other day. We said, you know, it isn't what we've done. It's who we know that saves us. And so what he said, what, what it is being told to Titus, be thankful because the Son of Man, he, the Son has appeared and he has saved us. Not because of anything we've done. He saved us because of his mercy. He goes on, he said, he saved us through the, through, the, through the washing of the rebirth. To me, that's a, a way of us talking about being born again. He saved us because we were born again. His mercy cleaned, cleansed us. Spiritually, we were saved, and our life changes. And then he goes on and he says, and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, as a, as a believer, we're guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit... You know, it, it's, it's sometimes kind of hard to get your arms around. But the reality for the Holy Spirit is this. It's in terms of like this. Here's some kind of some descriptive terms that help me. The Holy Spirit is our comforter if you're a believer. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our advocate. He advocates for us to the Father. He's our intercessor. He's a revealer of the truth. He is a spirit of the truth. He's a teacher and he's a witness. And so when it talks about us being renewed by this Holy Spirit, we realize all of the attributes that the Holy Spirit brings to bear in our life as believers. And it goes on in 6 and says, Whom he poured out as generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. And he goes in 7 and says, So that having been justified, and we if you watch the Wednesday night, uh, justified was a word that was talked about. We're going through some terms in our Wednesday night online, and we're just talking about terms that sometimes are used a lot in a Christian uh, vernacular and trying to help people understand. But he says, you have been justified. Well, very simply to me, it means that, that we've been found not guilty of our sin because of God's grace. He says, we might become heirs having the hope. Now, when we think about hope, 
that he's talking about and he's telling the church about, we think about, I hope I get a puppy. That's the hope we think about. But really, when we're talking about this kind of hope, what he's saying is, we might become heirs having the hope. What he's really talking about here, he's not saying, I hope I get a puppy. He's saying, the, this, this hope is the confidence of eternal life. So let me read it to you just in saying that differently. That we might become heirs having confidence that eternal life waits for us. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress these things. Or I want you, he's telling Titus, I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves for doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. See, it's, it's difficult for us. Stephen Covey wrote a book, and one of, the, one of the lines in it that's kind of stuck and become kind of a normal thing is this. Keep the main thing the main thing. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to do that. It's difficult for us to keep the main thing the main thing. I look around this audience, and I know most of you pretty well, and I realize the pressure you have on you. You have pressure because maybe you're Georgia and you're in school at, at Oklahoma State. Much I hate to say Oklahoma, but anyway, you're you're. But you know, you have the pressure of student and and trying to understand what's it like. And am I going to class? Am I not going to class? Are we going to get sick? And I'm away from my parents. And you have all those things. Perhaps you're a teacher in the school system and you're trying to balance the things you have to do there and trying to figure out how in the world do I minister to and teach kids that are not in the class and kids that are in the class and figure out who's quarantined and all the stuff goes on. Or perhaps it's in your home trying to balance things or your finances or maybe it's your job or your relationships. But you know, so we, we feel so stretched. We have so many demands on us on any given day. We have so many demands on our time and our energy. But see, the importance is what we have to do is we have to really back off. And I have to do that once in a while. I was in a conversation just a little while with a person ago with a person, and we were just talking about that you finally have to boil things down and kind of look at the main thing that's involved here. And see, the main thing that we have to remember is the main thing is our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with Christ. You know, there's that old hymn that says, trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey, right? And see, that's a simple phrase, but the reality is that's what we have to do. First, we have to trust him. We have to accept him. We have to say, Lord, I want you to be in charge. I, I, I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want you to be in charge. So I accept the fact that you're Christ. I accept you as my personal Savior. And now what I want to do is I want to obey you. I want to do the very best I can to walk with you and obey you every single day. Not just Sunday mornings, but every single day. So I think about the verses we've read today. We've kind of gone them quickly, and maybe it's a hard day for us to kind of get connected. But, but the reality, those verses today help us to really maintain our, our, thanksgiving, our thanks, thankfulness and our joy. Let me say that again without kind of stumbling through the words. 
It helps us to maintain our thankfulness and our joy. Because again, any number of you that are in here can, you, I mean, you could write some pretty good books, right, of experiences and of, of things that have gone well and of disappointments. But the reality is, how do, we, how do we maintain our thankfulness and our joy? Well, you do it because you keep the main thing the main thing. You keep Christ at the center of your thoughts and of what you're doing. Think about the things that, that he just mentioned a while ago as he wrote to Titus and said, stress these things to the church, just like what I'm doing this morning. Stress these things to the church. He said, stress salvation. Stress salvation. Stress to them the opportunity they have to be born again, to live a brand new life in Christ. Stress to them that it's because of God's grace, not because of what they've done, not because of the caste they were born into, not because of their parents' name, but because of Jesus' name that they're saved. They're found not guilty, they're justified. And they tell them again about this opportunity they have to do good. They can do, they can do good. They can do good in Jesus' name. See, we've talked about the knowns, as Miss Thomas would say, your knowns on the one side. We've talked about the knowns, and we've kind of laid those out. He gave us knowns about this is kind of a, the Christian perspective. We've seen a perspective that this is kind of what you can expect when you're thinking about being in the world. And we've seen him lay out the things that we can surely be thankful for and reflect on in our lives. Now let's talk about the unknowns briefly. Let's talk about the unknowns. See, we, each one of us has a choice. And the choice, frankly, it's, it's a pretty simple choice. You can accept Christ as your Savior, personally. And I'm not talking about just knowing about him, but I'm talking about really knowing him. You can accept Christ as your Savior, or you can reject him, all right? Now, the world's full of people that say, well, I'll tell you what, you got accept, you got reject. I believe I'll just go right here in the middle. That's where I'll pick. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You have two choices, to accept him or to reject him. And if you haven't accepted him, then the question is, and you know, some people sit in church for a lifetime, frankly, but they haven't accepted him. And if you haven't accepted him, is this something you're willing to do? Why wouldn't you do that? When you think about what we've talked about, why wouldn't you be willing to do it? Because here's another unknown, because if you choose not to accept Christ, if you choose not to accept Christ, are you willing to accept the consequences that come from not making that decision? You know, we live in a soft, we live in a soft peddling world when it comes to faith and churches and stuff. But the reality is there are consequences. Because if you choose not to accept him, then you choose to take the consequences of not accepting him. You choose to be separated from God for eternity. And guess what? Hell is your option. Plainly stated, hell is the option if that's the choice you make. So here's another unknown. If you've accepted Christ, are you living 
for him. It gets real quiet when we talk about that because it really, if we're paying attention, we kind of do some introspection and we ask ourselves the question, if I, if, I, if I have accepted Christ, and I know him more than just the fact that I can spell his name, but I actually have a relationship with him, then the question is, am I living for him? Because scripture tells us time and time again that, that there's the, the value in, is in this relationship is when we live out that relationship. And if in fact you're not living for him, then the question, the unknown is, why? If you're not living for him, why aren't you doing that? When you think about the thanksgiving, the things we saw, the salvation, being born again, the opportunity for a brand new life, when we think about God's grace being justified, being forgiven, and having this opportunity to do what is good, then we ask ourselves, why wouldn't I do that? Seems pretty logical, doesn't it? If you're a believer, seems pretty logical. So I want you to think about that this week, and as you think about the knowns that are there, I, I, I'd encourage you, there's a few more verses, kind of the sign-off in, in Titus 3 that I'll let you do as take-home work. But I'd like for you just to ask yourself this week, go back and read those eight verses in Titus and just remind yourself, okay, that's what the world looks like. I don't want to be a part of that. This is what being a believer looks like. I do want to be a part of that. And then how do I go ahead and make the commitment that I want to live that out on an everyday basis? I'd like for you to think about that. Let me pray for us as the praise team comes back up. Father, as we close today, I just ask you, Lord, that, that we do think about the very basic. The basic is salvation. Lord, am I saved? Have I, have I committed my life? Have I accepted Jesus as my Savior? Do I understand that, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived here on earth, that he died, that three days later he was resurrected and went to sit at the right hand of the Father? Do I believe those things? And then do I believe those have application to me? And Father, I ask that, that if there are anybody that doesn't understand that basic premise that they catch me, one of the elders, one of the church leaders, somebody sitting near you, and start the conversation about that. And then I ask, Lord, that if we know Christ, that we ask ourselves, am I serving Him? Am I really doing that on a daily basis? And if I'm not, why not? And why wouldn't I start right now? In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.